sequence to end that game. Walk me through what happened on the play that basically sealed it. On the one to Allen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I knew they would be coming after us. I wanted to get the ball out of my hand. Allen's, Allen's a really big target. He does a great job of, you know, looking at the pressure and knowing what's coming. He ran his route fast. I got the ball out. Big play to get us in that fourth and short, and then we got on the sneak. I saw you underneath all those bodies. What was that like? Uh, it's never fun, but it's, it's fun to win. So it, it felt good to see the, uh, the official get the first down signal when we got the win. Can you believe the atmosphere here today? I can because I've seen it so many times and uh, so grateful for our fans that come out here and travel. Uh, truly believe we have the best fans in the world. It's like a home game and we go on the road. So huge shout out to them. What helped propel this team to this win today? Coming off, what helped propel the team to this win today? I think staying together. It's an ultimate team game. You know, offense, defense, special teams, everybody stay together, push forward, find a way to win the second half. That's what it's all about. So love the guys in that locker room. Congrats. Thank you. And you know what, Kenny Pickett, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 4-2. Conversation with Shubba Green has been getting some traction on Facebook and all around the world right now. And around, and the following and support has been great. And I'm drinking a Pepsi this morning before I go to the gym. Yes, I'm going to have a Pepsi before I go to the gym. Leave me alone. And I'm drinking it out of a green solo cup because Shelby the Green Machine Green is enjoying himself. And that's what's going to happen today. So we're going to have some fun. I'm going to give you a little highlight today on this episode of Conversation with Shelby Green. Going to do a little, 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 uh, how can you say, talk a little bit about the Steelers, talk a little bit about Louisville basketball, Louisville football, talk a little bit of other things out in the entertainment world, give, do some plugs. But we're going to have a good time today, and we're going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. So that being said, as my man Kenny Big hands, pick it. Everybody say he got small hands. He had big hands yesterday down the stretch in that second half with the Steelers getting a win against the Rams. And I felt really good. Uh, let's take it back to how I felt going Sunday morning. Sunday morning I woke up. Know the Steelers played at 4 o'clock. And I told myself, I said, I'm not going to be disappointed. The 3-2, and two, Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then, of course, all of a sudden, the Steelers get hot. Then second half, and defensively hung in there the whole game, but second half they came out on fire. T.J. Watt, the best player in the NFL, defensive player in the NFL, excuse me, and it's not even close. All he does is sack the quarterback and, and rush the passer, Shelby. Now he dropped off in coverage, got an interception yesterday. Like I keep telling people at my job that he does that constantly all the time. He drops off in coverage all the time, but y'all don't want to listen to nobody, but it is what it is. T.J. played his ass off. I mean, defensively, they can't play pressure on Matt Stafford all night long. I mean, I saw a stat this morning that Cooper Cup was targeted 12 times and only caught the ball twice. Isn't that incredible? That just shows you. So, the secondary, uh, Joey Porter Jr. and Mika Fitzpatrick did a really good job. Uh, Levi Wallace, I'm not a fan of the guy. I think he's a, um, I think he's a solid corner, but I don't think he's a starter. I think Joey Porter Jr. should be the starter. Said he played seventy percent. Said I think he played seventy five, seventy six percent of the defensive snaps yesterday too. Um, and I also think Patrick Pearson played well in spots too. Actually, actually played really well in the first game this year. I seen him play well. And not not against Patrick, he's older, but still. That being said, offensively, I know the challenge of the Steelers, the offensive line. I felt like the offensive line did a really good job of creating holes against the Rams. I know the Rams' defense isn't special, but still, that way that offensive line's been all year long, y'all. You know what it's like as a Steeler fan. And I also believe that I, I look at situations of what the Steelers were able to do. Um, yeah, just plugging holes. I think what got that offense going and got momentum was 
that first touchdown by Kenny Pickett, getting that QB sneaking on the goal line was big. And then they came down again. And, and everybody says it was the throwing. Kenny, Kenny Pickett in the, left, the second half was a – I'm going to pull this up. Yes, I uh, was doing some things this morning when I got up to do um, to do things. And literally, this is what uh, somebody tweeted. Or I'm trying to find a tweet. Hang in there with me, y'all. Hang in there with me. Here it is. Kenny Pickett threw only one incomplete pass in his second half win over the Rams. 11 to 12 for 152 11 for 12, 152 yards. By far the cleanest half of Penny. Kenny Pickett's Steelers career. And I do agree with that. It's probably the cleanest game he's played. Terry Bradshaw, who I've had my issues with some of the things Terry Bradshaw says, but he did say this, and I and I totally agree with it. Terry, Terry Bradshaw on Kenny Pickett. I'll tell you what. Kenny doesn't throw for a lot of touchdowns yet. In time, he will, but he is the perfect quarterback for this team. He's a very selfless type of human being. He doesn't mind handling the ball off. and He's great in a clutch, great under pressure. You saw that again today. The Steelers on the road after a bye. Once again, Tomlin gets a victory. That's big. I mean, you hear T.J. Watt say this too. Steeler Nation is incredible. They've been incredible all season long, and I want them to understand how important that is, especially for us on defense. Anytime you can get the offense to go silent, get to go into a silent kind of helps out, help us out tremendously. Because the Steelers fans travel well. I know it was in Los Angeles, and look, you can be honest. You, anybody can say what they want to say, and I mean this: the Rams, have, the Los Angeles is a Laker town. It's a Dodgers town. It always will be. So the Rams coming back, the Chargers being there, yeah, it's great for money, I guess, revenue. But they, tell me, when is the Rams ever, the Los Angeles Rams ever really supported the Los Angeles ever really supported the Rams? I know the Coliseum days, but let's be honest, they didn't. They don't. They didn't really support them. If you really, they didn't. Never really truly did. And that's just my opinion on that. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I mean, let's be honest. I'm just saying. Now back to what I was saying as I take a sip of this Pepsi real quick. I have been on the record that I have thought the Steelers, the only way the Steelers could win games, first off, they put Kenny Pickett was dropping back, throwing the ball 50, 40, 50 times in games, and you just can't do that with a team that can't run the ball. You have to do more things. And look, this is what yesterday, this is what they did yesterday. Kenny Pickett was 17 and 25 for 230 yards. He was sacked twice, didn't turn the ball over, okay? And I am picking up Kenny Pickett back on my fantasy. I'm dropping Sam Howell. For sure, and grabbing Kenny back, and this is what they had yesterday. As I was let's turn my ringer off on my phone real quick. Um, rushing Nachi fourteen for fifty fourteen carries, fifty three yards, three point eight per carry, but he got a touchdown. Jalen Warren six carries for thirty two yards. Uh, Calvin Austin got a carry for whatever, and Kenny got the ball, rushed the ball eight times, but he also took a bunch of kneels. But here's the other thing that I want to point out too, and I'm gonna give a shout out to this, and you'll understand where I'm going with this. George Pickens was targeted target eight times, five, cat, five catches, 107 yards. But here's the big one. Deontay Johnson was back. Six targets, five catches, 79 yards. And that is big because now – the floor now you can't they can't double George Pickens now Deontay Johnson one of the most criminally underrated route runners in the NFL his route running is incredible Deontay Johnson is not the bit the best athlete but his route running is incredible he has got great great route running and it it showed yesterday some of the routes he's running busting off left busting off right going up the seam the way he could I mean it was just mm, incredible yesterday to watch that 
I mean, I'm ecstatic with the win. Um, I was really worried about our secondary, and our secondary held it down yesterday. And I mean, they did a great job, man, as I thought on the Rams. I mean, anytime you can hold this Los Angeles Rams team to 17 points, it absolutely shows the work. Stafford, 14 to 29, so he completed under 50% of his passes for 231. He threw a touchdown, but he threw a pick, and they sacked him twice. Now, the Steelers' run game run defense they did go up over 120 yards on the ground i'm not very happy with that but achua eight catches for a buck 54 to uh to a hat will from louisville caught the one big pass a touchdown but like i said cooper cup excuse me was cart target seven times and only caught two balls so that was big um they, the Steelers did a great job. They said, "You're not, we're going to take care. We're going to take Cooper Cup out of the game. We're going to put pressure on Matt Stafford, and that's what they did. Stafford, they put pressure on him, and boy, oh boy, it looked good. So, here's my thoughts now on the Steelers overall. Offensively, still, they did not have a game. This game here, they had a total. They had 300 yards total offense. So once again, no 400 yards total offense game. That streak does continue, even though I do think. I'll hold that thought. Um, oh, yeah. I do believe that the Steelers are in the right mindset of things. I think they are getting to a point where you know good things are coming, and I, I definitely can see it. Um, yeah. So here's here's the Steelers' next three games. They got these next three games at home. They got the Jaguars Sunday night. My buddy Ramon Tobin, who I work with, you know I'll be texting you that day, buddy. You promise you that. Um, the Tennessee Titans on a Thursday night game. I'll make sure I can take a nut, keep an eye on that before I go to work. And then they got a, a 2 o'clock game on Sunday against the Packers. Now, these next three games, in my opinion, they, the Steelers can't win. I think the Jaguars are going to be a difficult one, even though I don't think Trevor Lawrence, I got him on my fantasy team, he really hasn't blown the world up like I thought he would this year. Tennessee has always played us tough, but their quarterback issue, I think that's going to go into our favor. And the Green Bay Packers, we talk about bad offenses. They're horrible. And, and then they, I mean, they have no – their wide receivers can't get separation at all. Watson's a good a good target, but he's, he's just not the guy yet. So I think the Steelers have a great chance, a great chance of being 7-2. Now, do I think that happens? Mm, no, I think they'll probably drop one of these games. I I think somehow, somewhere they'll drop one of these fucking games. But I am holding court, and if they can go, if they can play clean football like they did last, last yesterday, as I record this on a Monday morning, if they can play clean football this on, on Monday morning, on this Monday morning, like I said, they can play clean football and continue to build momentum the way they can. At home, these next three home they're big. They got a shot. And you look at the Steelers in their wins this year. They've scored 26, 23, 30. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. 26, 23, 17, and 24. In their their losses, they've scored 7 and 6, but they've given up 30 points apiece. That's, in, that's insane that they've done this. Um yeah, so I'm very happy. You look at the AFC in the in the conference right now, the Steelers are in fifth place. And division wise, I mean the Ravens are five and two, but I mean the Steelers are uh, technically the Steelers beat them head to head. So still, technically the Steelers are two and zero in the division. They still got um, we still got another game against Baltimore. So Baltimore is five and two right now. If you look at 
you look at the the next three games, but after that, the Steelers got at Cleveland, at the Bengals, so back-to-back divisional games. Then they got the Cardinals at home, the Patriots at home. Then they go on the road to Indianapolis. I will make sure I try to get tickets to go to that game. Um, they got the Bengals at home, at Seattle, and at the Ravens. So they finished the year. They got a three-game home game stretch. Then they got two games on the road, two games at home, a game at on the road, a game at home, and finish the last two at the road on the road. So they they got they got their schedule worked out for them. We're gonna see what happens. I think the Steelers have a chance to be seven to two going to week week eleven, but see, I can see six and three happening. I really could. Um. Yeah, but in other news of the NFL, I'm going. To, I'm not going to do a whole week recap like I was doing before I shut the podcast down. Here's some highlights that I thought. Uh, the Sunday night game, the Eagles are what I thought they are. The Eagles are really good. I think they're the second best team in the NFC because I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. Now they do play tonight against the Vikings. They are beat up a little bit. We will see how that works. Um, I am one to say that A.J. Brown is a top five to ten wide receiver in the NFL. And I don't think anybody's going to argue with me on that. Guy was targeted 15 times for 10 catches and for 137. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I suppose. Dallas Gobert, uh, I can't say his name right, is a, probably the most underrated tight end in the NFL. You don't hear his name get brought up a lot. You hear Darren Waller get talked about more than Dallas. Think about that. The guy is good at what he does. But I will state this. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I was a fan of him in his days at Alabama. I mean this. I don't think Jalen Hurts has had that great of a year. I think he played well in the spots yesterday. He had two turnovers. He had the fumble and the interception that led for a pick six. I don't think that – I think Hurts is doing a little too much. I think also teams are figuring him out. After a year, you have a great year. I mean, he threw, he threw, he threw six – going yesterday, I think um, Al Michael said he threw six interceptions all year last year. He's thrown seven already this year. Now he threw three the week before. So now – He's thrown nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's turned the ball over now, I believe, nine times total, including the fumble. So we'll see. I mean, I think Philly is still good. I think they're the best team in the NFC East easily, and it ain't even close. But I also believe that Philly is going to be a team that's going to drop a few games here and there that you're going to make, why, how they lose that. Now we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins real quick because their offense did not get going last night. They couldn't do anything really. Uh, Tua Tungvaloa. Didn't play too, particularly too well. They couldn't get the running game going. Um, Philly did a good job. I will say this: Miami's. I know Miami's de- the only Miami's defense didn't play. I know they gave up thirty-one. Everybody said, "Well, they gave up thirty-one points." Miami's defense didn't do a really bad job. They didn't do a bad. They gave up some big plays, but I mean, I mean, they gave up some big plays like that one play AJ Brown caught on fourth down before the end of the second half, before the end of the first half, towards the end of the first half, or the. In the first quarter, or whatever. I mean, that was just a breakdown defensively. They did a great job. They just, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, they could create pressure. Hey, my God, I want to say this about the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the greatest unit of an offensive line I've ever seen in my lifetime. Now, I remember the, I'm, I remember vaguely the, the Cowboys of the 90s, that crew of guys they had. But this offensive line, the Eagles got, my God, it, it, they just create room everywhere. And going down the list of the games, Broncos get a win against the Packers. Two bad teams, in my opinion, that really don't matter. Uh, Jordan Love didn't play well. Russell Wilson, I think, is is egg wash. He's not worth a shit. Uh, Chiefs and Chargers. The Chargers continue to disappoint people. Uh, Herbert, great talent, but he's never going to win with a guy like Brandon Staley as his coach. He's just not. Kansas City. 
Um, they're still the head. I still believe they're the head hunt. They're one of the top teams in the AFC. I still believe the AFC runs through Kansas City until somebody beats them. Pat Mahomes is the greatest tied, uh, greatest quarterback ever played. Travis Kelsey, when, before he retires, I think he will be the greatest tight end ever play the game. And I will continue to say this. Everybody's getting an uproar about the Taylor Swift thing, and I haven't talked about it on the show, but here's the thing. For the people out there that continue to whine and bitch and moan about seeing Taylor Swift on television, get over it. Just get over it. Get over it. People are tired of seeing it. If you don't like it, change the fucking channel. Well, I was going to do, I change the channel all the time, but you see that play Pat Mahomes the bird? Yeah, you sure change channel. Shut the fuck up. My God. Plain and simple, guys. It is what it is. And to the Swifty mob out there that are saying that Kelsey's just using Taylor for a clout, really. One of the top 10 NFL jersey sellers, two time Super Bowl champion, arguably going to be the greatest tight end of all time, but he's using Taylor Swift for clout. Get the fuck out of here. My God. He's got one of the best podcast. He's got one of the best podcasts on the one of the best podcasts on the planet with his bird Jason Who and by the way, Jason Kelsey is an awesome dude, by the way. That's the type of guy I would love to sit down and have a, on here on this podcast or have a conversation with with. Jason Kelsey's just an awesome dude. Straight up. Back to the thing. Seahawks and Cardinals. Didn't see too much of this game yesterday because I was out running around. Uh my girlfriend and her and took my girlfriend uh, took her to downtown Indy here. She went to a comedy show last night with a couple of her friends from work. Um, I mean, Geno Smith played well. Looks like the stat wise, I just don't even. I you know I'm not even gonna talk about it. <laughs> I didn't see it, but I did catch the Browns and Colts. And my God, did the Indianapolis Colts get skull fucked? They got talk about bullshit. It is what it is, though. I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and say that. You know, the call is on a stretch word, but, you know, Minshew threw that pick when, you know, they were Minshew threw it, had a turnover. They made some mistakes, and it, it was what it was. It was a high-scoring game. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson single-handedly ruined his own career. People can sit there and say, well, there's a conspiracy. It was this. It was that. Blah, blah, blah. Here's what happened. Deshaun Watson did some things in his personal life that I'm not going to talk about or address going a few little detail about that I personally don't agree with. And I personally believe the dude, not every one of those people were lying, but out of the 20-some-odd was or the near 30 people there was, somebody had to be telling the truth. And you just can't do shit like that. You just can't. And in my opinion, Deshaun Watson's career is never going to be the same. You look at what they got. I know they got Nick Chubb. He's hurt. He's banged up. But Ford's a pretty good running back. They still got Kareem. They still got Kareem Hunt. You got Juku a tight end. More uh, uh, Peoples-Jones. Just their numbers are down. And by the way, can we stop this notion if anybody out there believes that Amari Cooper is a number one wide receiver? He is so damn inconsistent. Last week on my fantasy, he got me a buck, uh, four catches, uh, four ca- catches for a buck, uh, for a buck of a hundred, and it was easy. Last night and yesterday, got targeted eight times, two catches for twenty-two yards. Now this, now it, it could be, it could be the Colts secondary did a good job, but he got a hundred catches against the Forty ers defense, hundred yards against the Forty ers defense. You couldn't get sixty yards against the Colts. No, not against the Colts. I'm just saying the Forty ers have a better defense than the Colts. That's all I'm saying. Give me a fucking break. I, sw- I Wait till the free agency wire comes up on this Monday. I'm dropping his ass in free agency. I, I'm sick of him, Mario Cooper. Sick of him. But that being said, Anthony Richardson is the quarterback of the future. The Colts, and I'm speaking on the Colts because I live here in Indy, and a lot of my audience that follows me is in Indy, so I'm not just going to talk about the Colts' schedule here. 
They got the Saints at home, at Carolina, at Patriots, then they got a bye week. Here's my thing. The, the, the Colts should win at least two of those games. I think they are. Now, I know people, there's some fans out here, and I don't get this analogy. I never will understand it because I just like to win, I guess. We need to tank and just lose games and get higher draft pick. A higher traffic. We need Marvin Harrison Jr. and blah, 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 blah. I cannot stand tanking to win. That whole thing that Philadelphia, the 76ers started with years ago with Brent Brown, that three or four years where they, they took money from the city of Philadelphia fans and just completely, completely made that, 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 the Philadelphia 76ers were just horrible. They were horrible. And that whole thing was disgusting. I remember that. Ever since then, people said, well, it's tanked to win. What the fuck? Why? How about this? Be competitive. And if you lose games, you lose games. But be competitive. Don't tank to win. I don't understand that whole analogy. And I'm just going to go, let's just tank to win. Let's just tank to win. How does that make sense? Then you don't lose. Then, well, here's the thing. You lose three games. You don't get the draft pick you want. Or you do get the draft pick you want. And then he falls and you want to call him a bust. But you want to tank the win for a win. So what is the odds that you go what are the odds of that happening? Where the guys that you want so badly, they pan out, they pan for you. Think about the odds of that. Does it ever pan out in that way? Not really. There's been a lot of guys I want Steelers to draft, and if they got them late in their career, they're horrible. There's been a lot of guys I, that I would love to see Louisville players go to, but I know they're getting there, nah, they're going to work out for them. That's a bad situation. Or, yeah, it's working to get the best. Plain and simple. Colts fans need to relax and just enjoy themselves as my lock screen comes up on my computer as I turn it back on. Colts fans just need to relax and enjoy themselves. They got a young, ambitious team that is very young, has a bright upside. They need another receiver. And here's what I will do if I'm the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers, the Colts. And I've been saying this. They need a tight end. I think Josh Downs is a good receiver. Pittman, I think, is a good receiver. You know, I, I know a lot of Colts fans don't like Pierce, but every time I look up, the dude's making something happen. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just I actually watch the games, and some people just go off just go off Bleacher, Repre- uh, Bleacher Report uh, stats like I just did earlier. <laughs> just made fun of myself, didn't I? That's pretty fucking funny. But anyway... I I think the guy to go because they're not the Colts. Uh, I don't think the Colts are going to make the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen. ARB Anthony Richardson being out, John the Taylor just came back and swinging things. I don't see it happening. And I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win their division because they're on. I think only one team on the AFC South is going to make it. I just think so. And I don't think the Colts are better than the Houston Texans. To be honest with you. Now that being said, I really believe that. The best player in the draft that is going to be available that I think they should go get is Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. I think that is the right guy to go with the Colts. I, if Brock Bowers is there, because the Colts are going to get a bottom 8 to 12 pick. I think they're going to be in that range. If Brock Bowers is there, you need to take him. That is a guy offensively you need a tight end. He's a receiving tight end. He opens up the field well. Go get him. Go get him. He's one of the best players in college football. I know he's been out with he's out with some injuries as my hamster is over there rolling around and rolling around her little spin wheel. I really believe that the uh that's the guy to go get. You're not gonna get Marvin Harrison Jr. I know his dad was great here in Indianapolis a long time ago. I get it. I remember them days. But look. 
That dude's going to be a top three pick in the NFL draft. Plain and simple. He's going to be a top three pick in the NFL draft, and that's the way it's going to go. And that's what's going to happen. It's not going to be one of those things where you sit back and go, we got a shot against Mario Harrison Jr. He's going to be a top three pick. The Chicago Bears are going to get the first two picks in the NFL draft, plain and simple. They're going to get the number one, number two pick. And you know what's going to happen with Chicago? They're going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. probably. And we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears here in a minute because they're, because all these rumors about Caleb Williams, yeah, you might want to pump the brakes on that one. Um, Giants and Commanders, and I am going to point this out here, I will never trust the Washington Commanders again. That, this is ridiculous. The Giants are horrible. And I know Tyrod, it's a divisional game. Tyrod Taylor's giving them new life. Saquon was healthy. But you can't tell me the Washington Commanders can only score seven points on the road against the New York football Giants. Can somebody please tell me how that is possible? Seriously. The Giants have got a good – I understand they play hard and they get out. So come on. you Washington can't get at least 15, 17 points. I mean, come on, man. My God. And I like – I'm going to say this again. Ron Rivera, I respect you as a defensive coordinator. I think you're a great defensive-minded guy. I think you're a great coordinator in the NFL. I still think you are. But look, man, you've had four years to get this thing going to Washington. It's just – it might be time, man, to say, you know what, this season I'm going to walk away. I'm done. Because games like that are going to come back to haunt you. And I do like Sam Howell, by the way. I think Sam Howell is a really good quarterback. I'm just, I'm just going to drop him and pick up Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett played well down the stretch yesterday. <laughs> just how it is, man. Falcons get a win on the road against the Buccaneers. I think the Atlanta Falcons defense is really good. Uh, Desmond Ritter I don't trust because he has weapons with Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and he absolutely refuses to get in the ball, but also they do other things too. Patriots go on win a home game against the Bills. People are acting like that's shocking. Not really. Buffalo struggles against New England all the time. And I'm not going to count New England out of anything. They got the greatest coach of all time. Even though I think it was more Tom Brady than him, the guy the guy has got six rings. You can't knock him, Bill Belichick. Biggest surprise yesterday, the Baltimore Ravens put an ass whooping on the Lions. And I watched that game, but my God, Lamar Jackson. Um, 21 for 21 of 27, 357, three TDs. And he gave two on National Tight End Day. Mark Andrews called a couple of them as well. My God. I mean, when Lamar Jackson plays like that, the Ravens are damn near unbeatable. The defense played well yesterday against the Lions. And I like Dan Campbell. I like what the Lions have done when he's done for the Lions. But the whole Super Bowl, they might be the best team in the NFC. Pump the brakes. They got punched in the mouth yesterday. They didn't respond. Now, teams like – you see this every once in a while. Teams – or lay an egg, or they get their ass kicked like this. They got punched in the mouth, and they didn't expect it, and that's what happens. Now, that being said, do I think Detroit's going to go meet the playoffs? Absolutely. Do I think they're going to a playoff game? Depends on where they get where the situation is. But Baltimore plays like that, it's going to be a hard one. Bears beat the Raiders, and I want to make this real clear with the Chicago Bears, and obviously the Jaguars beat the Saints. I want to make this real cool with the Chicago Bears. Stick with Justin Fields, because if you think Caleb Williams is the answer – yeah, you're fucking mine. Caleb Williams is going to be a – you look at Caleb Williams. Somebody put this graphic up about Caleb Williams. And what was it? I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm looking for it right now. But it was something that caught my eyes. It caught my eyes when he plays against um, – Caleb Williams. 
did said did something there. He he is like he's got a piss poor. I saw a graphic where he's got a piss poor record against um against um. Um, he's got a piss poor record against um, against uh, what is it? Piss poor record against um, ranked teams. It's really bad. And um, uh, Emmanuel Oko, I can't say his name correctly, but he's on on he's on FS1. He put out a tweet that Caleb Williams, now that the college football playoff and the Heisman Trophy thing, Caleb Williams should shut it down. And think about his pro career. He has too much to lose. Okay. So, he's going to just go ahead and say, you know what, guys, I'm done playing this year. I'm going to be the number one pick. Why do it? This is the same guy that wants rumored wants partial ownership in any team that drafts him. This is the same guy that paints his fingernails and says, like, fuck Utah, fuck Notre Dame, done all this shit, like, whatever. Now I guess I'm painting his fingernails. I'm just saying what he's doing, what he's done with him, what he's said on him. And y'all want to sit here, and I'm going to make this real clear about Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is never going to win anywhere he goes because he doesn't have a defense. He doesn't have a defense. He's never had a defense. He was at Oklahoma. Oklahoma was known. You think about this. The guy has had, think about what he's had. Jalen Hurts, Baker, I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and um, Kyler Murray. Two of those guys were number one picks. One of those guys played in the Super Bowl last year. And now he's got potentially another top five, maybe top ten pick, because I don't think Caleb Williams is worth a damn. Caleb Williams. And you guys sit there and tell me that this guy is, you're gonna he can't win with this talent. You know, he talked about coming to UFC, it was about the national championship, he's about national championships and competing. And then he turns around and says we said yesterday, it's his midseason. We're not talking about the, the national title. We're not talking about this. Then what do you what did you come to USC for? This program has been on its ass for a long time. It hasn't been the same for a long time. And you're going to sit there and say, you thought it was going to be easy going to Pac-12. Utah was better than you. I've been saying that Utah was better than y'all. Washington, Oregon's better than you guys. They are. You're the fourth best team in that conference probably. I'm not so sure they're not better than Oregon State. Because they can't stop nobody. They can't stop the run. They can't do anything. Notre Dame beat the shit out of them. Notre Dame got their ass kicked at Louisville. So what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen when you figure this shit out? Give me a fucking break, man. I, now I'm getting fired up because I cannot stand when I hear coaches say that shit. When they're lying through their teeth. They're trying to cover up their, their excuses. It's like Scott Satterfield yesterday on the other day on podium not taking any crown, uh, credibility, uh, accountability for his losses, talking about moral victories and everything else. I heard that shit for four years in Louisville. Now you're hearing it in you, Cincinnati. And by the way, the fans of Cincinnati want to make this real clear. I'm getting off subject. We are not as Louisville fans making fun of you guys. We're talking shit about Satterfield because what he did at Louisville, the piss poor game management, the piss poor play calling, the piss poor situation, and the, your athletic director or administration was stupid enough to hire this idiot, was stupid enough to hire this fucking guy. That's what we're talking about. And we got Jeff Brom, a guy that should have been in Louisville from the get-go, but Tyra couldn't get the job done. And he didn't want to leave Purdue either, which I respect Jeff for doing, but Jeff, I'm glad you're home. So that's that's what the 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 the, the discrecity or whatever the word I'm looking for the the uh, the disdain towards Satterfield is about. That's what that's about. And now I'm getting whew, I'm getting fired up this morning. <laughs> Whoa, boy, I'm getting fired up. And that's the facts. That is the facts of things. Oh, goddamn! Hit my hand. And that's 
what happens? You can't sit there and tell me that, but that 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 air fury. Here's gonna quit. I understand you don't. I have a problem with guys players sending out bowl games, and I get why they do it. But mid season, you're just gonna quit. So when you quit, and another, and I you know what that tells Lincoln Riley. You know what that tells Lincoln Riley? Think about this. Any kid that recruits, he recruits at after that point's gonna be like, well, Caleb Williams quit. I go there and get play my uh, ball, play hard. I'll be a top ten pick. I could quit too. And then when that doesn't happen, they're gonna transfer. They're gonna go find out that that doesn't happen. See what I'm saying? It doesn't work that way. So no, Emmanuel, no. He should not quit. He should play. If they go to a weak bowl game, he wants to sit out. Then he should do that. That's fine. Give me a fuck. I cannot stand that shit. When these people get on these, when people get on networks and run their mouth and say this ass and I think he's got to think about his future. His future. He's got an ideal deals. He's one of the top highest nil athletes in college sports. What does he need to prepare for? He's gonna make money for the rest of his life. Give me a fucking break. The problem is you're saying this shit because we all know he had a pit. He played piss poor at Notre Dame. And he played piss poor the other night against Utah. Plan simple. Now, now I've got done talking about the NFL. We're going to go into college football because I segued into that. Who are the top four teams in the country, in my opinion? That means the top four teams are going to go play the college football playoff. And I'll give you six with two teams looking out, and this is what I'm looking at. Obviously, I think Michigan is the best team in the country. They Oh, they haven't played nobody, but, yeah, look what they're doing to people, man. They're beating the shit out of people. I really believe Michigan is the best team in the country. Number two is Georgia. I think Georgia's bored. <laughs> I think they're bored right now. And I really believe that they are. I think I feel that way wholeheartedly that Georgia is still good. And absolutely they are just they're they're good, man. I really believe they are good. And uh and that's a fact. Now That being said, as I look at the AP the AP poll, I know a lot of people are big on Ohio State, but I don't think – and here's what I go with. I said Michigan and Georgia. So that's one or two. I think Florida State is three. I think they are – They I know they've had – they had a couple games or a game against Boston College, blah, 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 blah. I still think athletically Florida State is just top-notch. I think their athletes are good as Michigan's. I don't think they're good as Georgia's, but I think they're as good as Michigan's. And the fourth team, I'm going to go out to the Pac-12, and I'm going to give Washington a little bit of love. I think Washington is very underrated. I think they're very good. And I think they have done a great job of – I think they've done a great job of – they played very well. And I think they, they deserve some praise. And I'm going to go with – that's my top four. Now, the two, the two teams that I'm – and I'll give you four teams, actually. I'll go with four teams I'm looking on the outside in. I think Ohio State is right there because I think that game that game against Michigan at Michigan is going to be a war. I think off, I think defensively Ohio State is really good. I don't trust their, his, their quarterback play. That's the biggest red flag with me with Ohio State is their quarterback play. Next one on there, Boomer Sooner. I'm going to go to Oklahoma. Brent Vables has done a hell of a job when he inherited the year before that. He's done a great job. We need to see Oklahoma, as I'm going to pull up their schedule real quick. 
as I can, if I can pull it up, let me go down. Where is Oklahoma? Where is Oklahoma? Where is Oklahoma? Oh, here they are. They didn't play well against TCU the other day. I know that. But they got at Kansas, which is not going to be easy, at Oklahoma State. I think they should be at Oklahoma State. West Virginia at home, at BYU, and TCU at home. So I think the Kansas game could be an upset alert. It could be something to look at. But I do believe that they'll win out. So right then and there. So Oklahoma, Ohio State. I'm going to give a little love to Texas. I still think Texas has got a chance to make a running at this. I still believe that. And I think Oregon and Texas – Oregon and Texas are like – they're like the third – the 7-8 the team. But I'll tell you a team that nobody's talking about. As I talk about Texas and Oregon being in those last two spots, nobody's talking about Alabama. You see what they did the second half against Tennessee this past weekend? Turned it on the second half. Alabama's got one of the most underrated defenses in the country. Nobody really talks about it. And I look at Alabama's offense. If they start scoring points, they can stop you. All Alabama needs to do is hit two or three big plays on a game, and they pretty much can win it. Now, I know people say the officiating was down the stretch, blah, 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 was piss poor, da, 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 whatever. But I'll tell you, teams, and I'm going to make this real clear. So I think I'm going Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, Washington are the best, the top four teams in the country. I'm going to go Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, and Oregon on the next. And I think Alabama is right there knocking on the door. Right there waiting to get in. That being said, I'm going to talk about some teams that I am disappointed in. I look at Penn State and I go, can we we talk about Harbaugh? He was getting a lot of shit for his Michigan State wins and losses, his Ohio State record. Let's be honest. Penn State and James Franklin, we need to start evaluating him a little bit better. I thought Penn State would beat at Ohio State this past week because I thought athletically, size-wise, Penn State had it all. They have it all, in my opinion, and that's a fact. Now, I will make this real clear to Penn, about Penn State. It's a shame because you know a lot of people talk about James Franklin. He's this hell of a motivator and everything else. Every time he plays a big game against – I think he's 1-8 or 1-9 – Against top twenty-five opponents, or in our big, or big Big Ten conference games, or whatever it was. But you look at this right here. He's got Indiana at home at Michigan, uh, at Maryland. Excuse me, Michigan at home, Rutgers at home, and at Michigan State. I don't think they're going to beat Michigan at home. I don't think I don't see Michigan losing the game. I just don't see it happening, and that's what's going to happen. I think they're going. He's going to lose two more games. So once again, he's going to be ten and two. He's going to be the third best team uh, team in this conference, and you got guys have got to think about that college football realignment. Oregon and those Oregon and USC are coming next, and that's big. That's going to make you raise your eyebrow, like, what the fuck is going on? And I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I don't want. I don't root. I don't want nobody out there to fail. I just don't. There's some guys that I I can't I don't like as a coach. It's nothing personal. It's just the way I look at things. But let's be honest. We talk about we were we had Jim Harbaugh's ass on a hot seat. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson's getting a lot of shit right now, a lot because and it's Dabo's fault for not adjustment times. We won't use the transport. We ain't using the NIL. Well, it's come back to bite you in the ass, Clemson, because Clemson's the era of Clemson is slowly that window I think is closed. Unless Dabo can turn around this offseason, it ain't gonna happen. They're four and three right now, and you look at Clemson's schedule. 
at NC State, Notre Dame at home, Georgia Tech at home, North Carolina at home, and at South Carolina. So they're probably going to win eight games. They're probably going to win. They'll probably win. They'll probably be seven to five, eight and four. And I never thought I'd say that. Now, you say eight and four down the stretch. That's not bad between four and three, win, win four out of your next five. To Clemson, that's not good enough. This is the team that was a couple years ago, about five or six years ago, was winning, has got two college football, uh, got two national championships in the last decade. I mean, Clemson is, it's a, and college football is better with these powerhouses being in the way. And Clemson, remember before Dabo got there, what things were like. Dabo better wake up and adjust with the times, man, or his run's going to be done. Everybody wants to talk about old St. Nick, Nick Saban. Nick Saban adjusted with the times and went with, he's done with the NILs, the portal. He's done it. And I hear people right now, well, Saban was playing. Saban was paying guys before them. Yeah. But who wasn't? Who isn't? Come on now. Mm-mm-mm. So that's the facts on that. Now, another team that laid an egg was uh, North Carolina. 31-27 at home against Virginia. And people had the nerve to talk about me as a Louisville fan about the the egg we laid up in Pittsburgh. Well, at least we didn't get beat, beat at home by Virginia by North Carolina. Huh. I don't wear a damn thing. And that's just the way I look at it. And like I said, now we're going to talk about my personal favorite. We're going to talk about them Louisville Cardinals. Louisville has a game Saturday, October 28th, 3.30 on ESPN. They are four-point favorite at home against Duke. The over-under is 47 points. Here's my thing. Duke defensively is really good. I'm their quarterback, we don't know if he's going to – I don't know if he's going to play or not. But I, if he – and they say don't count on him playing on homecoming week against Louisville. Here's the thing. I'm not counting Duke out. Duke defensively gives – Duke defensively is a problem. <laughs> That being said, I do think Louisville should is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a – I think Louisville will cover the spread, and I think it will be over. It will be set in stone mid-fourth quarter. This game's done. That being said, Jack Plummer cannot turn the ball over, and Charles Jordan needs to be healthy. Louisville is coming off a of bye week, probably focused, rock and roll, and that's what's going to happen. I think Louisville wins. Now, let's go the the rest of the AP – the AP 25 for week nine. I'm going to give you some rundowns. Florida State on the road against Wake Forest. Florida State will will win that one out. Indiana, uh, Penn State has a home game against Indiana. Penn State wins. Oklahoma at Kansas. I said how I felt about that, but I think Oklahoma will win that game. BYU on the road at Texas. I think that's a game you could keep an eye on, but I think Texas pulls it off, even though they, Drew, Drew Errors is out. Errors is out. Errors is out right now. So... Archie Manning, uh, um, Eli's little boy, Eli Manning's son might get some time. We'll see, but that could be a situation. Georgia at Florida. I think Georgia takes care of business. I don't think Florida is ever going to be what it once was. Oregon on the road to Utah. Utah is a good defensive team. You don't know if they can score enough sometimes, even though they did score the other night against USC, even though USC doesn't does have a defense. Like I said, I think I'm going to roll with um, – I'm going to roll with Utah at home. Pittsburgh on the road to Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame gets the win. Tulane at Rice. I think Tulane gets a win. And then, of course, USC on the road against Kyle. I think USC bounces back and gets a win. Oh, Air Force on the road against Colorado. Air Force wins. But that that's that's not really – that's not something we look at. But here's one I won't tell you what's going to happen. Tennessee on the road at Kentucky. 
Tennessee's going to get up in that ass and beat Kentucky. Kentucky's going to be 5-3. and three. Plain and simple. Washington uh, goes to the road, get taken on Stanford. Washington handles business. And Colorado, Pro- Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes on the road against UCLA. Here's my opinion on that. I really think that Colorado, I can see them playing much, much better in this game, but I still think UCLA wins. Colorado is about a year or two away from, or about two years away from getting where they need to be. He's done a, Prime has done a hell of a job. His first job this offense is to make sure to get an offensive line to protect his quarterback. He's got to get some bigger guys in his linebacking core. His secondary has got to get a little bit better. But overall, Colorado, it's going to take time. It has to, it's going to take time. Ohio State on the road to Wisconsin. Ohio State gets the win, even though I think that game will be close. Vanderbilt uh, goes on the road against Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins that one. North Carolina at Georgia Tech. I'm going to say 11.5-point favorites too much. I think Georgia Tech's going to cover the spread on that. I think they cover the spread. And Oregon State goes on the road with Arizona. So, And I think they'll win that. So you look at the top ten. I don't think anything changes much with the top 10, but we'll see. Now that I talk about a little football, and I've talked about a little football, I'm going to sit back and talk about a little basketball. Because that is about 10 days is approaching. That's This is the time of year where my blood pressure raises. My happiness and my emotions and my depression goes up and down. And my lack of motivation goes up and down. I eat, sleep, and breathe Louisville basketball. It's my livelihood. I have lost friendships. I have lost many things in my life. There is one thing that has constantly been there. My dad, my brothers, my sister, and Louisville basketball. And, of course, relationship. I mean, the year and a half I've had with my woman, she has been fucking incredible. But Louisville basketball has always been there. When I was a kid and I didn't have a pot to piss in, when my dad was struggling, working his ass off, working two jobs, we was broke. But let me tell you something. We made sure we had cable and a bag of chips and a pop to watch Louisville play. We always did. I always could turn on TV and watch Monday Night Raw or WCW Monday Nitro. And I could always watch Louisville basketball. That's the way I grew up. It's part of my livelihood. It's part of everything I love, everything that I stand for, everything that I do well. The only thing that I love more than Louisville basketball is my family. And that's a fact. I love my girlfriend. She is my family. I love I love my, my kid, Adrian. I love my kid, Adrian McHale, more than anything in this world, too. They're in that situation. They're in that same circle with Louisville basketball, in my opinion. And that's a fact. And if you hear that, honey, that means a lot to me. And you should smile at that. You're probably blushing right now, but that's the truth, baby. I would never lie to you about that. That being said, over the mushy-gushy stuff... I watched him play the exhibition game and I get Simmons. And I wanted to win by 30 and they won by 40. Turned the ball over 22 times. Didn't like that at all. Nerves, frustration a little bit. But I will run this down. 
If any little fan out there, quotations fan, really believes that that team won't that team won't win five ga- ten games this year, you're fucking high, and I want to know what the hell you're smoking on because I'm gonna need some of that. And I'm gonna make this real clear to anybody out there: Louisville, that Louisville team is the right team to win the city back and to win some games. Now I know the turnovers are a problem; they raise my eyebrow. I get it, but I will state this. I don't think Louisville's going to be like and I, Rashad Myers, and I've said things about Rashad on Twitter and stuff, and Rashad's okay, man. He, he's a Louisville fan, and I respect his opinion. He just wants Louisville to do well. I really believe that. He's not one of those media guys that constantly goes at Kenny Payne and Nolan. He literally, and the, the crew, he literally, he literally stays his course and does his job as a reporter. He doesn't Take it personal, like take it two levels personal, like some guys do in Louisville. And the people out there know what I'm talking about. But Rashad's good in my book. So, Rashad, you ever hear this? Man, I've said some things about you. I deeply apologize, brother. Straight up. And I nothing harmful, but I've discredited him as a journalist and how he's not really a Louisville media member. I that That's what I'm talking about. That being said, he did a great assumption, and I'm going to read what he said on Twitter because I truly, truly believed Truly believe what he said, and he, he did a great job, in my opinion, with this. And he actually liked my tweet. He, he He's one of the few guys that interacts with fans, and he'll have a civil conversation. He won't get too crazy with it. But fan, little fans are ridiculous, too. But he says, at Louisville Men's Basketball Exhibition Thoughts, super impressed with Curtis Williams. He looks like what we thought Cromario Lands would be. Super mature, good defensive instincts, and smooth offensively. Absolutely. Curtis Williams has got one of the most – if you watch Curtis Williams catch the ball – his jump shot, his effort. I mean, I, he's just so smooth, man. God, he's nice. Sky Clark is definitely an upgrade at point guard. Definitely a point guard, and his passive vision is an upgrade over Ellis. Continued. This is the next tweet down. Clark, the question is, can is can Sky or any of these guys get consistent and high-level scoring punch that Ellis could? Haven't seen that yet because the competition on Wednesday was subpar. That's fine. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I also think this is going to be a team that can – contributes from much much more things. Dennis Evans, big D, is a big factor defensively and his aggressive finish in the rim runs hard. Continued. Evans didn't show the ability to score if it wasn't dunk it. Really struggled fighting position by post position due to almost no lower body strength. Yeah, his size is a problem, but with that length and stuff, I think over time, you can tell he's getting better. You can tell that it's not it's going to be a work with him, but it's not going to be the work that everybody thought it was going to be. Trey White looked comfortable in the mid post, but it's just a slightly above handle. So definitely a wing need to see more. I agree with that. I think Trey White is a is a wing. I think he's a small forward or a small ball power forward. I think he's perfect in that position. Caleb Glenn Graz, great effort, showed his focus on working on his three-point shot, strong finish, but really needs to work on his handle. Definitely agree. He is a, another small ball forward, but a guy that can get out and run and is physical enough to finish at the rim. Johnson, which is Tyler Johnson. Great effort defensively and fearless attacking, but needs to show how he works versus teams with size, length, and more data on scoring pop. Good thing. Continue. James Mike James has approved his defense, his 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 divisiveness, and his jump shot as well as his handle. So that makes me happy because Mike James, the two guys consistent last year, I continue to say that Mike James and JJ Turner got better and downstretch. And Mike James is pretty damn efficient too. JJ BBH and Okafor looks the same. Looks the same, need more data. Rotations were odd, in my opinion. The best five players need to be out there together to build chemistry. Don't let the platoons. More come Saturday morning. So, 
I definitely agree with what he said here. I felt the same way he felt in a lot of ways. Now, I will state this. This was the first time. These guys are young, too, man. My God. these Outside of... Outside of um, JJ Trainer, Huntley, these guys are basically sophomores and freshmen. You really look at and Trey uh, and uh, Sky Clark, Sky Clark. No, Sky Clark's sophomore. I forgot. Holy shit! So they really are pretty young. That being said, they are very young. They have a good group of talent that are mixed in. I will state this: the scoring. I kind of want to disagree with Rashawn on that. I think, and I said his name wrong. I apologize. I, I think that um, he um, he said he definitely said some things that I agree with. I don't think this team is going to count on one guy to put the ball in the basket. Now I know down the stretch you need a guy go get a chip bucket and get you, but I also believe that this team is going to win a lot of games on defense. They're going to create turnovers. They're going to get a big key rebound down the stretch. Something like that. They're going to be well, – Louisville's going to be really big on 50-50 balls this year and defensive deflections. Things like that. Getting the ball out and transition. Louisville's going to be one of those teams that all of a sudden they're in a dogfight and they're going to get a big steal and momentum swings. They're going to be one of them teams. Do I think Louisville is going to be one of these teams that's going to go to the Final Four? No. Do I think they can make the tournament? Absolutely. I think they can make the NCAA tournament. I think they can. I'm not going to – my dad said this year that he's been a fan for 40 years. He said 23, 25 wins. They're going to be a top five to six seed in the tournament. I said, uh, I might be wishful thinking. I said, I'm a little fan. I see it. I see they, Shelby, they play hard. They're going to be all right. And dad did tell me this, and he said this best three months ago. And I, I swear to you guys, on my my grandmother's eyesight, it's true. Curtis Williams is the best player in that draft class they got come, that, that recruiting class he had come in. And I said, Dad, come on. I killed Shelby. I'm telling you, he is. And by the looks of it, he might be. So, Dad, once again, you was right, it looks like. Um, I also want to point out the thing about Karan Davis. I know some people were sitting there saying, well, he's more of a project. I think Karan Davis is going to be a guy that, as the year goes down, he's slowly going to get better. And I think it's going to mature now. If he doesn't, he'll probably transfer next year and be gone. That being said, I think Louisville fans, just be patient with Karan. I think he's going to be okay. Tyler, we're going to have to use Hersey for a little while, but Tyler's going to get his feet wet until Tyler gets his feet wet. Before I announce my starting five, I got three guys I got to critique. JJ, Okafor, and Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. J.J. is from Bradstown, Kentucky. He's a Louisville kid. His dad, Jason Osborne, we all know who he is. He's a Louisville fan. He played at Louisville. I got a lot of love for J.J., and I'm rooting my ass off for him. J.J., once again, had a first half I wasn't fond of. The second half, he played a lot better in that scrimmage. J.J.'s energy is a big concern with me because here's the thing. J.J.'s energy was – it was is in the four wins we had last year – God, it makes me sick as a Louisville fan saying that. The four wins we had last year, J.J.'s energy is one of the big reasons why we won those games. If anybody sit there and denies it, that's fine. You can deny it. But from my eyes, that's what I saw. J.J. plays his ass off when he when he wants to. J.J.'s ambitions to run, he's a great rim runner. He's athletic. He can switch positions on defensively. He blocks shots well. He, shot, he blocks shots well. 
And he's a pretty damn good three-point shooter when he's getting the opportunity to extend his range. That being said, that being said, I really believe that Louisville is going to be one of these guys that he's one of those guys that's key because J.J.'s energy. Because Do I think J.J. Trainer is a starter on this team? I think he could, but I don't think he's meant to start on this team. I think he's meant to come off the bench and give them energy. Okafor now, let me get into him. His motor is what I love about him. He does a lot of things well. He's another guy. He's going to be a guy that, that like, one of the best plays I saw all night outside the, the six passes with the paint touch to the three in the corner for Tyler Johnson or the, the possession where Caleb Glenn hit a three or Caleb Glenn getting the breakdown and going the rim and getting the and one. And people know what I'm talking about when they look that play up or the, the baseline in, inbound pass of Sky Clark hitting the three to go up, the, the three in the second half. Things like that I like. But I'm going to tell you what I, one of the best plays I thought was simple. A pick and roll is amazing when it's done beautifully, when it splits the defense and it's a, a great dunk fire big man. And you, people know what I'm going with. Curtis Williams got the ball on the right hash, the right, I think it was the right wing, took a screen. Okafor laid the screen in. Curtis took two dribbles around that screen. Okafor rolled the rim, threw a beautiful bounce pass. Okafor caught a stride, two hand dunk, boom, it went right through the middle. Okafor's got to do that. And that's one thing I, I will say this about. Louisville says, well, they don't have – outside of Clark, we don't have a true point guard. Here's the thing. Trey White, even though his handle is a level of a forward or a wing, he can handle the ball. Um, Curtis Williams looks like he can handle the ball a lot better than most people thought he could. So that helps out Sky Clark handling the ball. That's what Louisville didn't have last year. Outside Eli Ellis, the ball just kept – it would stay in rotation, pound, pound, pound. It was what it was. So seeing that makes me happy. Now I will state this too as well. And this is my opinion on it as well. Okafor has to block shots. He has to be big on rebounding for us if we want to win some games. He's got to rebound. And if he does not rebound or block shots for us, we're going to be in some, we're going to have some problems because we cannot rely on Dennis Evans right now this early. We just can't. Because big man can. He hustles hard. He rim runs hard. He plays hard, man. But down the stretch, we're going to, we're going to need these guys. And that's why I'm counting on these forwards, J.J. and Okafor, to part. Now, why did I say Brantley Huntley Hatfield last? And I'm going to make this real clear to you. I don't bash players. I've said some things about how I've called players lazy. I've said guys aren't in shape. But I don't question their, their – their, 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 I never question them as a basketball player, as a guy that – well, if I was a player, I'd do that. I'd never question myself because let me be honest with you guys. I never played high school ball. For one, I never took myself incredibly to get in shape to play. I was always a guy that was a gym rat. I watched the game. I studied the game. I loved the game. Loved the game more than sometimes life itself. I love basketball. But at the same time, I also know that I am a huge fan of guys that play hard, and guys that work their ass off. When I look at Brantley Huntley Hatfield, I've seen a guy that was a top 10 to 20 player come out of high school. He was a five-star recruit, and he recruit, classified early to go to Tennessee. Didn't work out in Tennessee or whatever. Comes a little bit last year, and I thought, man, we got Brantley Huntley Hatfield. This dude can play. 
down the stretch, didn't play. He played okay in spots, but really sometimes it felt like he had concrete in his sneakers. It felt like that watching him. And I really thought when I read that he was down to 7-8% body fat, that he took the time to work, and I thought, man, okay, Brantley, this, here we go. And the scrimmage and this exhibition game, I've not seen anything. Maybe a couple plays here and there, that's about it. I'm going to make this real, real clear. We aren't going to win 15 to 20 games. We're not going to win. I'll take that back. I, we're not going to win 23, 25 games if Brandon Hunting Hatfield is, it plays like this because it's, it's not going to work. He's just going to sit on the bench and he's going to ride the bench and he's going to transfer next year. That's what's going to happen. Brandon Hunting Hatfield is too good, too great of an athlete of a, with his size and potential to be playing like this. He just is. It's a fact. Brantley Hunley Hatfield should be a 13 to 15 points per game score, a seven to nine, a seven to nine point rebounder in this game of college basketball. A guy you telling me, a guy that can post you up and score in the low post, or a guy that can face you up, take you off the dribble and can shoot. Brantley Hunley Hatfield can shoot. When he, if you look at, we've seen it stretches what he can do. Like, and there's no reason a guy that size can't block shots either. Like, it's just, oh, my gosh, man. It's just frustrating, man, because I see a lot. I see some similarities with Earl Clark and him. Now, Earl Clark was special. I get that, and I understand well, what the fuck. But I'm saying in general, like, he can be a player like that, that can set the tone and can make big plays happen, like big things. Earl Clark can take your head off of the rim with a dunk. Earl Clark can shoot the three. He can face shift, take off the dribble. But I'm saying Huntley can do some things like that. He's not as athletic as Earl Clark, I'm not saying, but similarities, that's all I'm saying. And it frustrates me because I see so much in this team. I can see the writing on the wall with these guys. This is going to be the team that gets the program back, to turn things around. And once again, you see it. That's what it is. So... Also, I want to point out the thing about uh, my starting. So, I've said this before. Who, What will be the rotations for me? What starting five would I go with? And these are the two fives that I came up with. And this is this is judging off the script. As my lock screen here comes up. This is judging off my uh, off what I said beforehand. Obviously, my first starting five, I have Sky at point. Mike James is the shooting guard, small four, Trey White, power four, Brantley Huntley Hatfield, center, Dennis Evans. That's the five that I think is going to be the starting five. But the five that I would go with after seeing the scrimmages, I would go with Sky Clark at point, shooting guard, Mike James, Curtis Williams on the wing, Trey White at the power forward spot, and I go Dennis Evans at the five. That's what I would go with. And, um, yeah. So, like I said, 23-25 wins, NCAA tournament berth, absolutely. I really believe Louisville's going to win a lot of games. They're going to put some smiles on our faces this year. And I also believe they're going to lose some, put some games on our face. It's going to make us just go like, what the fuck? Here we go. It is what it is, guys. Plain and simple. Louisville Cardinals for life. Louisville first cards forever. And by the way, I seen this thing on Twitter the other day that Dilligum or whatever his name is, the, the guard for Kentucky, scored 40 points in, in his scrimmage game the other night. Here's the thing. I thought scrimmages didn't count because according to a, a shorter reporter down there in Lexington, scr- 
scrimmages don't count. We were talking about Dennis Evans having his big game in the scrimmage the other night. Right? That's what I thought. That, that I can't. You know, there's one thing about Kentucky I will say. They will con, con, Kentucky fans will contradict themselves every single time with the notion they put out. They will considerably contradict themselves no matter what. Considerably. They do this all the effing time. They do it all the time. They literally do this all the time. And if anybody does not know what I'm talking about, just get on Twitter and look. Kentucky fans are the worst. They are. Kentucky fans always worry about everybody else but themselves. Ramon Tobin, one of the a good friend of mine, Kentucky fan. I, I got a lot of love for Tobin. Tobin's a good dude. And I mean that. But he literally will tell me every day, I'm taking Louisville, a team a team playing Louisville, I take them in the points. I take the team against Louisville in the points. I'm like, do you literally look at the time of your day to do that? He worries about Duke. He worries about North Carolina. It's like, dude, just worry about Kentucky. I don't, your obsession's real. You know, Kentucky talks so much shit about Louisville. They'll literally put on a t-shirt, Louisville doesn't exist. On a t-shirt. But we don't matter. We don't exist. We don't worry about little brother. Then why do you constantly put us on your merchandise? Why are you constantly talking about us? You know why? Because Louisville is the mega media market in the state of Kentucky for sports. Tell me it's not. The state in general is big in the market. But Louisville generally has been in the top at the last, you look at the last 15, 20 years, it's not even close. We talk, and but the moment we bring it up, you want to throw this ass, throw this ass. Oh, the whole prostitution, the whole stripper scandal. Yeah, okay. Do you want to talk about Eddie Sutton in the 80s and the bullshit he puts you guys through? And if it wasn't for Rick Pitino saving your ass, that program would have been dead for a long time. Do you want to talk about Adolf Rupp and his bullshit that he did? Nobody wants to talk about Adolf Rupp. You know, here's the thing. We talk about this woke culture and cancel. Why has nobody went after Rupp Arena? And the, the, what that that mother what, mm, what that piece of shit was like. Adolf Rupp was a piece of shit. I don't care anybody said the guy was a piece of shit. But they continue to bring this guy up. They talk about they keep the same name Rupp Arena. The guy was a known racist. The guy was a racist piece of shit. What's the famous quote he said about Texas and Western the, in the in the uh, 19, 1966 national championship game? He used a certain racial term that there wasn't five black people that was going to beat five white guys on the court. But it wasn't the word black he used either. You can look it up and you know what I'm talking about. That's a fact. So I don't understand this whatever. And I will state this before and I'll say this again. You talk about John Calipari, this great recruiter he is. He's a great recruiter. All that great talent that Kentucky has had in the last 15, what, 13, 15 years, you got one title to show for it. And I bring it up to that guy at work I always talk about, Tobin. And he always says, well, how many how many reasons Coach K got? I said the year John Calipari got hired at Kentucky, they won a national championship. So he's got more rings than, than, than Calipari. So that's a fact. But once again, why do you continue to push this narrative of what they do? They do this all the time. Like, I've been watching that wrestler show on Netflix, and Matt Jones has done a fantastic job of what he's doing at OBW. And I'll be honest with you, outside of being a Kentucky fan, I think Matt Jones is a decent dude. I really do. 
And he does epilepsy and shit. And what he's been through as a kid. I respect what he's been through. He's a good dude. He means well. He's a Kentucky fan. I'll, I'll say that's the one negative thing about him. But that's it. He does a great job with OVW promoting. He's done a good job with them. Making them money. Making them revenue. Making them hot as they are. Uh, what is it? The other one. Uh, he's done a great job. with. He's, he's a big Reds fan. His, his coverage of the Reds is hilarious. Talking about Delo Cruz is the greatest baseball player he's ever seen and shit. I mean, that's awesome. But let's be honest, guys. Can we stop with this whole narrative that Kentucky everything Kentucky does is great? Because it's not. That program's got more. That program's got history after history after history after history. And it's a fact. It is a cold stone fact. What Adolph Rupp said in 1966 is a fact. Don Haskins said it. It did happen. It's true. Plain and simple. And I'm not lying about it either. It's been proven fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. Look it up. It's a fact. Oh, man. Whew, I got on a tangent there. So, that being said, I'm excited for college basketball. Go Cards. So, after all the sports thing we've talked about, all the old issues thing we talked about, and that's a fact. And by the way, you know who, what else I want to talk about? Here's the thing. When did it become so personal with people when it came to politics? Can we put that out a little bit? Why did, when, it became, when did it become so personal with people when they talk about politics? Can somebody please bring it up to me? Why and how? I have never seen so many people lose their mind over politics. Just want to point that out. It's ridiculous, in my opinion. Now, that being said, that being said, as I look... At my uh, notes I have for today. I want to talk about my buddies at the Grind Gang show. Price Johnson and Mega Marcus Smart. Marcus Scott, excuse me. Smart Marcus Scott. I consider these guys damn near family. They're good people. They're great human beings. Marcus has done a fantastic job with the Grind Gang the record label he's had for years. He's promoted himself really well. Price is a hell of a talent as a as a musician. He's really good with editing things. He's very smart. That being said, the Grind Gang Show is up on Facebook and YouTube, and I will start sharing it on the podcast page, Conversation with Shelby Green as you follow it, and everything else. I will also state the record that... Um, Prices um, and I have been talking about doing some other things outside of this co-promotion I'm about to announce. Um, from now on, the Grind Gang Show and Conversation with Shelby Green are going to be working on some co-promotion things. We are going to be sharing our stuff. We are going to be, um, it might be a possibility of me mixing our shows together one day and putting one together out there for you guys. And it's a good possibility that that can happen. We have been talking about they are getting the show back on the air. And I'm very proud of those guys, man. Um, what they've been through lately, how the show was taken from them. <clears throat> And how they've got it back, I can't. I am ecstatic for them. Um, 
That being said, I also have an announcement to make about the pro wrestling. Now everybody knows I review a lot of pro wrestling shows, and I say this. Bryce Johnson is an avid wrestling fan like me. And Price is, we are so similar, more different. His opinion on wrestling is a lot different than mine. There are some similarities, but it's totally different. And we did have a podcast back in the day that no longer exists. I got rid of it. Price and I have been, Price told me the other day, he goes, you think it's time for me to revisit the pod, the old podcast? And I had an idea, and we're going to do this. Starting after WWE Crown Jewel, the first week of November, Price Johnson and I, a.k.a. Trip, just call us Trip and Shelbo. We're going to have a little segment on monthly or every other week, depending on the pay-per-view amounts of professional wrestling. We're going to have full coverage of WWE, AEW, and now TNA Wrestling pay-per-view events. We are going to cover those shows, and we are going to do a live Facebook reaction. Well, excuse me, review of where our thoughts were and whatever we would go with. And we're starting that November the I think it's November I think it's November fourth that Saturday where Crown Jewel happens. We're not going to go live on Facebook while watching the event because I'll be I have to work and blah blah blah. But Price and I are going to watch it in Saturday night or Sunday morning. We will go live on Facebook. And we are going to talk about this. That also, I've also stated before that I am working on an intro for the podcast. I've talked to Price about it. And I've talked to Mega. And I am going to use one of their songs as an intro. I'm trying to figure that out as well. I have also talked about... um, And I've also talked about how... um, we have also talked about get. I'm trying to get them involved on the program where, because I live on the south side, I live on the west side, and I'm trying to get away. I get them all on the show without them being here with me working one microphone. So I'm working on some with that too. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited about that. Also, I want to announce that NDRBI and I, I am renewing my sponsorship with them. I will continue to support NDRBI, and I am very proud of that to be a proud sponsor of a great youth program for baseball that supports that is consistent of Rodius Park, Garfield Park, Christian Park, and Forest Manor, and I believe Brookside too, and I'm very proud of that, that I'm going to be able to help with that sponsorship, and we are going to rock and roll with that again. Also, I did have in my notes that uh, I had a family vacation, and I was going to talk about having um, uh, Brandy, okay, the love of my life, she was going to come on the program to talk about the experience with me on the pro uh, the 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 Hunter restaurant and the trip to Cleveland. Obviously, she's not here; she's at work. So basically, what I'm going to do is um, go off the the notion that I really believe that we had a great time in Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio is a really fun city. By the way, there's a lot to do in Cleveland. Cleveland's an interesting place, man. It's very interesting. That being said, great family vacation. If you go on the on my, the Facebook page, we did a live review of the haunted restaurant. That being said, uh, it was a really really good time for me and her. We all we needed a vacation. We got away. We had a great time. So yeah. Uh, got some other things to talk about before I close it down. I am convinced that Womp Stomp Films is the greatest genre of fan film producing production I've ever seen. Never Hike Alone are these three Friday the 13th fan films 
that are on YouTube for free. You can watch them. Never Hike Alone, Never Hike Alone Snow, Never Hike Alone 2. They are tied in canon with the Friday the 13th franchise. And, you know, everybody says what they want to say. It's been since 2009 we've had a Friday the 13th film. And Friday the 13th fan films have been crazy over the, ever since that time. Ever since about 2012, 2013 when we really found out we weren't getting a sequel to the 2009 reboot. We saw that the fan film thing on YouTube all over the world went nuts for Friday the 13th. And uh, plain and simple, plain and simple, the whole world was in shock of this Never Hike Alone film that came out. I think it was in 2017 or 2018 that came out. And everybody was in shock of how great the production was and how awesome it was. And the surprise cameos it had in it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Never Hike Alone the Snow came out because there was always this big thing that we wanted to see Jason Voorhees in the snow. There's been the adamant and seeing Jason in the snow was awesome. And it's a shorter film than the first one. Then the sequel, Never Hike Alone 2, came out and it was a it looks like a good conclusion to fight the, the, the set of films on Warm Stomp. That being said, if you have not seen these films, please please do me a favor and go support them. They're on YouTube. They're for free. You can actually buy them if you want to, like get a a collector's edition Blu-ray for them. But just go watch them, please, and support them because they do a great job. Now, that being said, Womp Stomp also did the Dylan, I think they did the the Dylan's New Nightmare film, which was pretty good as well. But I also would love to see them do, and there's been rumors that they have, there's been discussions. There's been a little rumor buzz going around. People, fans asking, can we get a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film? Can we get a Halloween fan film? And we're going to talk about Halloween here in a minute to close the show. I think Womp Stomp is great, and I think they do a great job. I would love to see them do a, a, Leatherface, rem- a Leatherface fan film that can somehow be, I don't know if canon, but take their own spin on things would be pretty cool. Um, Halloween would be awesome. Because I really believe they can get some people from that franchise to come work. And it would be a pretty cool-ass time, in my opinion. Yeah. So, Want Stomp Films on YouTube. they got a website, obviously. Check them out. Never Hike Alone. Never Hike Alone in the Snow. And Never Hike Alone 2. One of the best horror fan film trilogies. The best horror fan film trilogy you will find on YouTube. And that's a fact. Now, oh, excuse me. <coughs> I just coughed myself. Now... We got one more thing to talk about as I wrap this show up, and it's been a pretty long show. And ladies and gentlemen, Michael Myers has found a new home. Go to Deadline.com and report. There was rumors that Blumhouse lost the rights after three films with the Halloween franchise. There was rumor that... Um, there was rumor that they were that, that Halloween was shopping around for new rights. Halloween is hot. The new trilogy, whatever you feel about it, it made a lot of money in the box office, and it gave a new shot in the arm to horror fans around the world, especially the slasher genre. So Miramax outbid everybody. It was rumored that A twenty four was going to get them, was going to get the rights, and I was pretty ecstatic about that because I like A twenty four films, especially their horror films. They do a great job with them. Um, they got the Iron Claw, Von Eric family movie coming out this summer, this Christmas, excuse me, so I'm pretty excited about that. But anyway, here at Deadline.com, 
And there's been other articles, but Miramax lands Halloween TV rights and board agreement with the Trans Plot Cinematic Universe. After a heated bidding war, Miramax has scored the television rights to the hugely popular Halloween franchise, which is controlled by Trans International Films, run by Malik Akkad. Miramax Television has signed a wide-ranging deal with Trans to develop and co-produce a Halloween TV series, which will also include a first-look agreement on other television projects for the international marketplace. The new Halloween series is a vision to pl- uh, potentially land a cinematic universe spanning film and television. Miramax head of global TV Mark Helwig will be overseeing the franchise creatively in close collaboration with Akkad. The pack marks a new chapter in Miramax and Trans partnership on the Halloween franchise. Tark's most importantly produced a successful Halloween feature trilogy for Miramax Blumhouse directed by David Gordon Green. We could not be more excited to bring Halloween to television. We are thrilled to expand our long and successful partnership with Trans and the brilliant Malik Akkad in introducing this iconic franchise to a new form of stellar storytelling and new generation of fans. Jointly controlling both the film and TV rights will allow Miramax and Trans to mop out an aggregate film TV universe. Trans International Films is extremely enthused to be expanding our long-standing relationship with Miramax and we are looking forward to working with Mark Helwig and the entire in create team and creating this new chapter. No one is commenting, but I hear Miramax alongside other companies with long horror traditions such as A24, Blum, and Blumhouse has been locked in a tight race over the past several weeks for the Halloween TV rights. There has been an increased premium put on well-known tides of mid-audience fragmentation in streaming era, which is getting harder to launch a new franchise. IP of the caliber Halloween is rarely become available, which is explains the big interest, fierce bidding for the TV rights, especially the heels of a very successful movie revival. The, th- the trilogy guys, since you want to say, they were, they were successful. They were. The Halloween film franchise consists of 13 films, started with the 1978 original, co-written and directed by John Carpenter, a.k.a. the, the whore goat. They focus primarily on Michael Myers, who committed to a sanitarium as a child for the murder of her sis- murder of his sister. Escapes 15 years later, stalk and kill people with a fictional talent, Hannibal, Illinois, on Halloween with babysitter, babysitter Laurie Strove, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Dr. Samuel Lewis, Donald, Pl- Donald Pleasant as the main protagonist trying to stop him. The franchise has gone doormat for nine years when a direct sequel to the original film was released in 2018. It was the first to hit the Halloween trilogy centered on Curtis. Laurie Strode, who waited Michaels to pursue her. The sequel, Halloween Kills, which is one of my favorites, was released in 2021, followed by the third and final film, Halloween Ends, October 22nd, 2022. Giving closure to the film's main storyline, Strode and Myers face off for one final time. Curse exits the franchise after 44 years. Since Hellwick took over Miramax Television three years ago, Division has landed three on-air series. More companies have produced the previous decade, the guys, Richie, the guys reached the gentleman at Netflix, Project Greenlight with Azariv at Max, and the Turkish Detective at Paramount. Meaning the indie studio library of IP, there's the main objective with serious development, such as Miramax's movies as Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Gangs of New York, which is one of my favorite movies, Gangs of New York, and also film Chocolate, The English Patient, and Predator, in addition to Project Greenlight Revival, a upcoming series of the ad. Uh, the addition of the Project Greenlight Revival and the upcoming series of adaptation of The Gentleman. Securing the Halloween TV rights fits right into the strategy as a film title highly associated with a Miramax brand. So here's my thoughts on it. 
I am a massive Halloween fan. It is my favorite franchise. Everybody knows it. Out of all the horror tattoos on my arm and my the rest of my body, my Michael Myers on my my uh, front arm is obviously my favorite. I am really, really, really looking forward to what Miramax is going to do. The TV series. Here's the thing, guys. The cinematic universe thing makes me want to vomit. Makes me want to fucking vomit. And once again, it's one of those deals where it's basically disgusting. That's a fact. It's uh, perfectly known. Well, it's a fact. It is disgusting. That being said, I am looking forward to what they're going to do. And that is a big thing with me. I am looking forward to it, and I highly, highly appreciate what they're going to do. That being said, um, if they're going to do a TV series, I know Season of the Witch has been uh, talked about. I will state this. In my wholeheartedly opinion, I will go with this and say, I would rather see them do the Season of the Witch thing. It wouldn't be a bad idea, but don't put Halloween in front of it. Because Season of the Witch, the biggest fault of that film is that it's literally literally just a problem with um it's literally a problem with um a problem with um it's just literally the problem with it was that they was an Halloween franchise I drew a blank there guys I apologize but um, that's the only problem is it's got the name Halloween in front of it. If it was called Season of Witch, it'd be one of the, it'd be one of the greatest, best horror films of all time. One of the best horror films of the '80s for sure. It's a great horror film. So yeah. That being said, um, people say, would you reboot the franchise? Yeah, absolutely. I reboot it and do a different story with Michael. I keep Michael obviously, and and I keep the the mask and do things like that. But you gotta keep Michael. That's key word. I don't want to see Laurie Strode again. I'm sick of Laurie Strode. Don't want to see Laurie Strode. Do not care about Laurie Strode. And that's a fact. Um, I would love to, if they want to do a legacy, legacy sequel with Jamie. Bring Daniel Harris back. I know people want that legacy sequel to Halloween 4 so bad. But guys, we just saw. We, I have seen enough of legacy sequels. Can we just do something different now? That's all I'm asking. So in tune as I close the program today on a very long episode of Conversation with Shelby Green. I just want to let you guys know this. I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is straight up. Tune in every week, Wednesday at 10 a.m. for new episodes of Conversations with Shelby Green. Follow the Facebook page at Conversations with Shelby Green to see more updates on the program. Have a good one, y'all.